Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome. This is, in fact, A Different Perspective, and I am truly Kevin Randall. I've always wanted to start the one of these broadcasts by saying breaking news, breaking news. But since we're on tape, uh, there really isn't no bait breaking news, and I'm not sure where to go with that. I will say, however, I have been looking into this um, uh, um, thing with Ilanzio, um, Ilan, uh, I'm sorry, Louis Ilanzio. Got to get it right here in my head for some reason. Uh, with the A-tip and the idea that... Uh, the, the Nimitz UFO sightings and all of that thing, and hit the idea that he had been a uh, director of the program, the ATIP program, and there's some controversy about that. I've uh, only seen a couple of things suggesting he might have inflated his credentials, but I've also seen some stuff from my friend George Knapp suggesting that he's exactly who he says he is. So I'm still looking into that, and as soon as I get an answer, I'll let you all know what uh, what it is. I suspect he probably had some uh, important role in the ATIP program. Because uh, because of uh, some of the things I've seen, but we'll take take a look at that and see if we can't clarify for that, or clarify that. I also wanted to mention <clears throat> that I will be at the Roswell Festival this year, and I'm looking to interview a number of the participants. So take a look at the festival website because it gives you a uh, list of the speakers, and if there's somebody particular you'd like me to try to uh, hook up with, let me know, and I'll try to do that there. Um, I was going to interview Stan Friedman at the festival, but unfortunately, I guess that won't take place now, which is a kind of a sad situation. I also wanted to note, let you note, or let you know that there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at xzbn.net, or for those of you who uh, are in a different time zone, a different area, it's xzbn.net. And you can find a listing of those programs on the X-Zone 
uh, broadcast or the Exxon website. So take a look at that. And don't forget to take a look at the International UFO Reporting and Research Center. The website is www.ufo.rrc.com. And having all of that out of the way now, I will note, uh, announce I'm joined now by Bruce Fenton, who wrote Hybrid Human Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien Legacy. Uh, Bruce is a multidisciplinary researcher, adventurer, and writer. He is the editor of the popular paleoanthropology website, agentnews.net, the author of The Forgotten Exodus, the Into Africa Theory, and co-author of Hybrid Humans, Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien Legacy, which I just mentioned. Uh, Fenton graduated from Angela Ruskin University with a higher national diploma in information systems, his expeditions to mysterious ancient ruins in the Amazon jungle and the Georgian Caucasus, and that's not Georgia in the United States, for those of you who are not paying attention, have seen him uh, featured in the UK Telegraph newspaper and on the Science Channel. Bruce Fenton, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you very much, and sorry for providing you such a mouthful of a, a bio there, but um, hopefully it gives people an idea of the kind of things that I'm involved with. Um, which is fairly broad, <laughs> anything strange, mysterious, and anomalous, really, probably a, a lot like yourself, Kevin. You know, I've got wide interests. Well, I would like to say that your bio is one of the shortest that I've been given to uh, do this thing, even though there was a couple of tongue twisters in there for me. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay, because I don't uh, pretend to be a real live uh, radio personality anyhow. So there you go. Sure. No, it's, um, uh, it's about the content more than the bios, isn't it? We, it's what we actually do in our research that matters, I think. Well, I think I think one of the things and I, I've learned this many years ago is, and and and, and it kind of uh, brings up a different problem, which is people claiming credentials they don't have or military rank they don't have, and it's a way mm -hmm. of kind of installing installing uh, instant credibility on somebody until, of course, you check into their credentials and learn that they've kind of inflated things. So we we all have to take a be careful of that. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know all too often. There is, you know, we do find that there is a bit of inflation to stories. I know you highlighted at the beginning there that there's obviously that's an issue at the moment, isn't it, as to whether or not, um, like Louis Elizondo and his, you know, has got the rank that he was meant to have. You know, so these things are always coming up as issues in the community, isn't it? They're, you know, are people who they say they are, obviously, then on, you know, we have more extreme situations where it appears people just say that they were in the military, you know, you know and there's no proof they were ever in it. You know, so we have, you know, obviously, there's a whole range of, these complexities to this subject. Well, with the Luis Elizondo thing, um, I do want to say that the the suggestion he may not be who he was is is all comes back to a single source, mm -hmm. and it's based it's based on um, not being able to uh, get him for a uh, interview on a radio program and that sort of thing. So there might be some hostility there, which I think we have to be careful of when we start talking yeah. about people's credentials. Yeah. And so that's why I, I've gone to George Knapp, who uh, is, is involved in a lot of this sort of research and uh, has some documentation, which he was, I thought he was going to get to me by this morning, but he didn't, he didn't get it done. So I don't have that information in front of me right now. So we have to be careful because he may be exactly who he says he is. If, mm -hmm. if people check on my background and say, well, you know, he claims to be a Lieutenant Colonel from the U S army. If they, if they write to St. Louis, they're going to learn those, those things are true that I can back up this, this uh, claim of mine. So uh, we have to look at all of that very carefully, which is really off topic here because I really wanted to talk to talk about hybrid humans. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I don't mind just quickly whipping through the, the current events, but yeah, no, it's um, a bit of a different, a bit of a different kind of project to many of those that are making the news at the moment, which is obviously the current events, you know, as, as you've just touched on, of course, with all the history channel show going on, we've got um, a big buzz on that, but there's also, you know, a much older aspect to the, the phenomena, you know, and these, these, objects, visitations, contact experiences, you know, and that that's certainly the core of the material in, in our book, the book I've done with my wife. Um, but it does involve, yes, some of the, some current events too, but I guess it'd be more in the category of ancient aliens and that kind of area of the research. So just for people who, who not don't know much about the book and the work. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I can probably give you 
an initial overview? I mean, where would you like me to start? Should I give a bit of an overview to the project? Or Yeah, I was going to say, give us, give us a little background on the book. But before we do that, I wanted to say uh, my undergraduate work was in anthropology. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. versed in some of this, this good. topic. That's good. Um, yep. uh, and I've, of course, uh, looked at the ancient astronauts uh, stuff uh, quite a bit, too, especially when it first came out by Eric von Danigan back in uh, mm -hmm. the 1960s. So anyway, your book is Hybrid Human Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien legacy um and that kind of sums it up a little bit but give yes. me a little bit more on it as well yeah i mean one thing people will notice from that of course is i'm giving a fairly specific time and, and a very deep time you know we're not talking about you know visitations to the egyptians or the sumerians or you know these kind of areas that have been let's be honest pretty well covered you know if not overly done in in dozens of books um, the idea that there was, you know, Anunnaki visitations, you know, th most of your listeners, I'm sure, have encountered those subjects, you know, <laughs> if not in books, then certainly on Ancient Aliens, the TV show. Uh, I'm going back way beyond that. And the reason for that, it, it really came out of um, a different project I was doing, which was, I was involved with some contact experience. My wife and I had had some of our own personal, we've had a lot of strange experiences but there was a, a contact type experiences going on back in 2012 when wife, you say when you say contact type experience you're talking about contact with aliens certainly with an intelligence that i would have to say seems to be you know alien to human beings yeah i mean i'm i'm wary i know that we're at this point where it's hard to say you know is the intelligence from another planet is it from another time is it from another dimension so you know, if people, excuse me if I, at times I try to be a little bit obtuse on that, just because it, sometimes it's quite difficult, and I think these things overlap. But I can certainly say it's an intelligence that is is not a human being, you know, talking to us, or not an, certainly not one from the present moment and our dimension, you know. Something quite extraordinary was in contact with us. Um, that's where it sort of started at. And, and that led to a collaborative book project called Ancient Aliens in Australia, um, with a father and son research team, Stephen and Evan Strong. Uh, they actually featured on Ancient Aliens, the episode about Australia. So, again, some of the people out there may have may have seen that. Um, we connected to another person through them. Now, this is a lady called Valerie Barrow, and she's really important to the book and to other things I'm involved in at the moment. Valerie Barrow came into contact with an artefact which was held by the Aboriginal people of, uh, I believe it's um, Central North Australia. Now, I have every reason to believe that this artefact is not of this world. And I know that, obviously, you, you've dealt a lot with um, see, things that are not of this world, debris, artefacts, you know, that kind of the remnants of events. So, I mean, obviously, you're probably in familiar ground when I start talking about strange things that are found in, you know, <laughs> in places. Um, and this artefact has the uncanny ability to transfer information. Now, they're known to the Aboriginal people as, as the ancient Alcharinga stones. So these are these artefacts which are the, amongst the most sacred that they have, which will usually be kept away from the people, only interacted with by what they call the clever men or clever women, you know, these kind of the shamans, right, of the culture. Let, so me, actually, let, me, inter let me interrupt here sure. because I, I'm going to have to break away for a, for a yep. few moments here. Um, I'm talking with Bruce Fenton. The book is Hybrid Human Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Legacy. And uh, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com if you have a chance, because I usually have additional information or other uh, things up there that you can take a look at. It gives you some more information about what's going on in the program. We will be back right after this and talking about uh, hybrid humans. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. 
Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. I am here with Bruce Fenton, the author of Hybrid Human Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien Legacy and One We Broke. We were talking about his adventures. I don't. Did you go to Australia? You went to Australia to interview the people, correct? I was. In, I, I've met with Valerie in Australia. I was living in Australia for a little while. Okay, and you were talking about artifacts that the mm-hmm. Aborigines used to communicate or transfer knowledge, information? Yeah, basically there was an artifact, which, if, if people want to go away and have a look at it, they can Google objects called Turinga stones, right? But the legends are that amongst these, there are some truly ancient artifacts, the original Turinga stones, which are considered to have been left in the dream time, the creation time when the first humans were made, you know, engineered, created by these visiting beings, right? So they talk about these these objects as having a kind of consciousness and that they can interact with people. So this is in the, the mythology. But what happened is one of these artifacts was basically brought to the house of a lady called Valerie Barrow, who I mentioned just before. And she was asked to caretake it whilst the the person who had it with her was trying to locate the tribe who it should go back to, right? But what happened is whilst it was in her house, it began communicating with her. She started getting in a whole a whole load of information in her head. You know, this is voice-to-skull type, what we call technology, if we like. I would say it's a voice-to-skull technology, that this thing began to actually relay information about human history, explaining a whole lost chapter, um, basically a visitation, hundreds of thousands of years ago by a highly advanced extraterrestrial race who went on to engineer early hominins to create the ancestors of modern humans. So we're going so, back so, hundreds of thousands of years. So when you're saying hybrid humans, you're not talking about Homo sapiens sapiens. You're talking about the hominid ancestors of, of the Homo sapiens of our race. Yeah, the, the initial hominin that's being engineered, that's right, is not a Homo sapiens. This is this is the origins of Homo sapiens, including Neanderthals, Denisovans, all large-brained members of our human family are, are, in my view, and from the evidence I've collected, the results of this visitation 780,000 years ago. And I can and be quite precise on this. So the, the um, information came from an artifact that Valerie Burroughs had, and it communicated that information directly to her? It did. And the thing is, I mean, obviously, the initial thing people think, well, OK, here we are with the woo, you know, the woo woo. But the, the way I looked at this was, look, you know, there was a I'm going to say there was a whole load of information. She published a book back in 2003 called Alteringa when the first ancestors were created. So there was a lot of information. It's obviously time stamped. You know, I know that it can't she can't have got anything from the present time because it's published 2003, which is helpful. Uh, also, obviously, I met with her and talked with her. So, right, between the information I got, I looked at it and I thought, right, is there anything in here that we can actually validate? So this isn't just another one of those stories, you know, where <laughs> did they come, did they not come? You know, because obviously you and I, we both know there's lots of those out there. We don't really need another one, right? What I'm interested in is validation. So, Yeah, I was going to say, how do we validate this 800,000-year-old absolutely. Uh, uh, claim? That's the key. That's the key to it. The, the reason why I, I took this on and why I thought it was worth doing is because there was there was three 
elements of this narrative that potentially could be validated. Now, the first one was a description of the craft, what happened to it, the way it was destroyed, right? We have a large, a very large ship carrying about 50,000 beings on board is described, crystalline, right? Not metal. And it comes into orbit around our planet. There is an event where it's destroyed. It's described as melting and raining down across a large region, right? So the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, can I find any debris from this craft? Because, of course, that's a massive tick if I can match melted crystalline debris from an orbiting object in the remote prehistory, right? So that was the first one. The second one that I wanted to match is there is a description of five years after this event, there is a asteroid bomb, a multi-directional asteroid bombardment of planet Earth, which is deliberate. This is not a meteorite swarm. This is a revenge mission for the destruction of the mothership. Then there is a third event, which is the engineering of the ancestors of Homo sapiens at the same time period. So I'm looking, of course, to validate these three things, and they must all line up in time, not just all have happened, you know, in reality, but also line up to the same time. So I quietly went about doing that. And I'll tell you now, if I, if I hadn't been able to validate any of this, I would not have written a book and I wouldn't be on your show talking to you because I don't like to unnecessarily embarrass myself um, by coming out with something that has no basis. So I'll start by saying that that's where it begins. And I validated all three of those. Okay, the um, the the finding of the crystalline debris. Let's let's yeah. talk about that. How do we? How did you validate that? What did what proved that to you? Right. So, I knew where approximately where I wanted to look because amongst the information was also the claim that the survivors came down in Australia. Right. So I'm thinking if you have a large craft, it's destroyed in orbit, that the survivors are going to come down more or less straight down, you know, in the way that you're coming from a disaster, they're trying to reach the surface as quick as they can. So I'm thinking, well, this craft is likely to have been destroyed in geostationary orbit above Australia, right? So is there any debris that matches up to the destruction of a, of a large crystalline artifact in orbit? Crazily enough, went into the NASA, you know, the NASA papers, and what you find is that they say around 780,000 years ago, it seems that there was a large object in orbit like a, a natural they consider it a natural moon but a an object made of around 80 percent silica now you think of that for a natural moon around 80 percent silica uh and that it for some reason breaks up pieces of it rain down across australia and we have something called australite tektites right and they have an unusual composition we know they're extraterrestrial uh, they also have an unusual form which is called a tectite button. It's unique in the geology of our planet in all 4.5 billion years. So whenever you have a unique in 4.5 billion years, you have an anomaly. And of course, in our in our fields, anomalies is really what we're looking for. Isn't it? But isn't it, isn't it possible that, that this was in fact a natural uh, phenomenon, a natural orbiting thing, a natural moon as opposed to an alien spacecraft? Well, there's a couple of reasons why I'd say not. Firstly, NASA tells us that the silica that is left over is from melted quartz, right? And quartz doesn't form in, in space, in meteorites and comets. It, it only really forms in planetary systems, right? So that's straight away you've got a problem there because if you've got something that's 80% quartz, you know, the silica is from melted quartz, there's no known bodies like that. We don't get quartz asteroids or quartz meteorites, you know, raining down. So that in itself, again, you've got a giant anomaly. Now, why is quartz important? What is it we use for computer processing? Right, we use these silica networks. Yeah, so if you, and if anyone goes to looks to see, well, what do the cutting edge scientists tell us that they expect to see with advanced extraterrestrials? They expect most of them to inhabit vast silica networks and using the processing power of these vast networks. So you now you have an object about a kilometer in diameter, made almost entirely from silica that is orbiting our planet. Right, made from uh, quartz that shouldn't be there right, shouldn't be orbiting our planet, and then for no reason at all, in their view, just explodes, right, rains down across the planet. So straight away, you have a series of anomalies, and this has been a mystery in science for 100 years, right? They've been analyzing this material, trying to work out how this happened, because they, first they thought it'd be an impact, but there is no crater, there's no impact. And, and but, often, been, but, often, but often with meteor falls and that sort of thing, there is no impact crater, because the thing, the thing explodes in midair. And so you get a rain of debris, but you don't really get an impact crater. 
Yeah, so one of the things they've looked at, they wanted to see how could you get, I should clarify, that the debris field stretches from Antarctica to South China. Right. So so now if, you, if people conceptualize how big a debris field we're really talking about now. So if you imagine, even if there was an impact or breakup, first of all, the debris field is unique, again, in the history of our planet, because it is vast. It's covering something like, um, there's pieces, fragments that cross something like about a third of the planet's surface. I mean, it's on astounding scale. The second point is what we should go loop back to is keep in mind, I'm looking for material that matches something that's already been transmitted in a message, right? So the fact that the message is describing this and then I'm finding the corresponding evidence is the first key point. Secondly, the story of the Australite tectites is full of anomalies that they for years they thought perhaps it was a piece of the moon that was disproved then they thought maybe it was a comet impact that's been disproved they've gone through all these these boxes because what they found is that the only way this can have formed is by something exploding in space not just in our atmosphere you know where you know you say an asteroid coming down hitting the atmosphere and breaking up but in space because these these button forms of the tectite are basically made from spheres that form from liquid crystal in space, you know, as anyone knows, in a vacuum, liquid takes a sphere form. These then cooled instantly. And then they moved down into the atmosphere, reheated and had secondary melting. And that's where they ended up being these shield shapes. And so the only way that can have formed is in space. So again, they had another problem. Well, why would this moon up in space orbiting explode out of nowhere? Bear in mind, I've already got a message here, a transmission saying that there is this craft up there in space, which has been hit with energy weapons, blown to bits, and we have an exact correspondence, right, with an object, crystalline object, that has somehow exploded in space. It's in these obscure NASA papers. It's not very, I certainly don't think it's well known. You know, until I went looking for correspondence to this message, I'd never heard of this stuff. I'll be quite honest with you. Um, so that was the first part of it. So, I mean, if, uh, then, well, of course, since we're going to get to the second part of it sure. I bet in just a moment, sure. but I'm going to, I'm going to have to take a break and yeah, I'm, no I'm going to ask you when we come back, if you can give us the name of a couple of those papers so people can research those as well on their own. Sure. Uh, but the book is hybrid humans, the scientific evidence of our 800,000 year old alien legacy. I am talking about that with Bruce Fenton, who is the author of the book with his wife, uh, and I'm not going to go through the name again. Uh, my blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And let's just for fun uh, mention once again that there's a wonderful paranormal programs on the Exome Broadcast Network. So take a look at xcbn.net and you can find something that'll, uh, I'm sure, trip your fancy. We will be back right after this with Bruce Fenton. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you wanna be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? 
What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. I am here with Bruce Fenton. We're talking about uh, hybrid humans and uh, some of the evidence about, about that. When we went away, we were going to get to, uh, I guess, the second point that uh, the second validation you were about to talk to when I so rudely interrupted you to go away. So what is the second validation? Sure. Okay. So we're told that after this event, the destruction of this craft, survivors reaching the planet's surface, uh, there is a decision made, which is that they're going, they can no longer colonize this planet. This is a, a colonizing mission. Right? They can't do that. The main ship's been destroyed. What they decide instead is they're going to modify an existing hominin. But five years after this decision is made and this event has happened another group arrives at our planet that is connected with them this is a, there's an alliance is described different beings in an alliance out there in the cosmos various kinds some of them multi-dimensional some of them biological some of them crystalline you know as weird as people could think there you know there's this alliance described another group these entities who are humanoid but cat-like humanoids arrive and they are more militaristic than the colony ship. These are kind of police, if we like for a better word, or military that's used. They arrive and they, they make contact and they say, you know, do you want to leave with us? The, these survivors say, no, we're going to carry on with this project. However, they then decide that, you know, they are going to tackle the issue of this other hostile group who are already on Earth. Now, I'm going to go too deep into this, but this mission was originally a handover of this planet from one fairly hostile group to this rather more peaceful alliance so the, we now we now have three different alien groups here on earth we have initially a group that is a subterranean race which is in control of the planet and this group is being asked to hand back control of the planet to this alliance the alliance involves both more peaceful groups and some fairly militaristic groups so though the colony ship and these new beings that have arrived are from the same alliance they are kind of different in their i suppose in the way that they think in terms of violence, warfare, you know, you've got a fairly peaceful group, but they're aligned with another group who are fairly, I guess, more open to using force. And so these ones turn up, they make it quite clear to the subterranean group, leave the planet, or we're going to begin a planetary bombardment of your bases, we're going to root you out, you know, it's not going to go well for you. And they explain that what they use is they don't just let, you know, come down laser fire, you know, that makes nice movies, but that, that's not what they do. They drag in asteroids and you know, large bodies from around a planet, pull them in, and they can bombard a planet. And they specifically describe the ability to be able to crack open a planet and destroy it from space. So you think of that, it makes our kind of our weaponry sound like pea shooters. Um, and so what they say, they make this clear that we're going to do this. The second group say, you know, we're going to leave. Most of them leave. And it's described as them going through a portal to Orion is specifically highlighted. Some of them don't go and a bombardment is initiated. And this is a, a multi-directional asteroid bombardment of the planet Earth, right? Cataclysmic, you know, so I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. You know, if this is a real event, surely it's going to leave some kind of geological evidence, right? And in fact, I was thinking initially, you know, I should have heard of this, you know, something on this scale, we would have perhaps, you know, learned at school or seen on the Discovery Channel or, you know, you're kind of thinking this is a major event. There must be echoes of it somewhere. So I went digging into the records again, you know, to see if there's anything in there. What really blew my mind here is that there wasn't any real papers out there. But what I found was it was actually quite a recent news article. Now, this is going back to so 2015, I think it was. That a German geological team had uncovered evidence of a multi-directional asteroid bombardment of our planet, and the timing of it, 780,000 years ago, matches the timing of the australite material that I've discussed already, 780,000 years ago. Hand in gloves on the dates. Hand in gloves match between this transmission and the evidence. Turns out that yeah, that I think they hit in Africa, uh, Mexico, down in Tasmania. Um, there's another another couple of sites where these these came in. The geologists that researching it have suggested that the objects are different in their chemical composition, so they're not from a singular body breaking up, uh, and they're not from a, you know we see a normal swarm because obviously they're hitting from different directions <laughs> at the same time, right? 
So that in itself obviously is really anomalous because you don't expect to have a multi-directional bombardment anyway. But, but, but let me say this, and sure. coming from a science fiction background, bomb, bombarding a planet with asteroids is a key way of destroying a planet in science fiction. You know, basically throwing rocks from the sky is what, what we call it. Um, there was a movie, uh, This Island Earth, where one planet was bombarding another with asteroids. So this is not a concept that is uh, new. This is a concept sure. that goes back into the 1950s with the idea of bombarding a planet. So I just don't see where this is, I mean, a major validation for the idea. Because, because it's in the transmission. That's what I'm telling you. And this, this second point is, it's impossible that Valerie could have known this because bear in mind, she has published in two, this transmission in 2003 and nobody knew this had happened until 2015. So how can she know that this has happened at that time? And, and I'm saying same, this, is, yeah. th this is something that's, that's old in science fiction. I, I don't see that as a major validation. I'm sorry. I can't, well, let me go back. You have now the dates, absolute correlations, 780,000 years for the material, 780,000 years for the bombardment, both in this transmission, total validations of what it's telling us, All right? And the, and the third point? So the third point is, of course, then the creation of Homo sapiens. And how, do we, how does that validate the story? Right. So the survivors are working on modifying existing hominins, right? So what we have at that time are, of course, we have a, a large widespread population of Homo erectus. We also now know that there were a population of smaller hominins, which are now the, what we call the, the predecessors to Homo florensiensis and some of these early Homo that we find now that have been recently been found up in the Philippines, that we know that there has been a, a population of what seems to have been Australopithecines that made their way all the way down to Southeast Asia. So we've got at least two fairly widespread hominin populations at that time, right? We have the Homo erectus and these early diminutive hominins, very alike to Australopithecines, okay? Which the Australopithecines uh, are supposedly the direct, some of the direct descendants to the Homo sapiens. Yeah, it's, it's generally considered that one of the Australopithecines is, is the likely ancestor of Homo, that's right. So we've got a population of these. At that time, that's what we have, right? We don't have, obviously, Homo sapiens, there's no Neanderthals or anything like that. But what we do find is that at that period is when we started to get a load of anomalous changes in the genome, right? Again, at this same period, we find that there is a, a sudden fusion of two chromosomes, a head-to-head -head fusion that gives us chromosome two, right? Chromosome two is interesting because we have not only a head-to-head -head fusion, but it's on an active gene, a gene which is to do with the brain, the reproductive system, the immune system, systems you want to get at if you're engineering a new hominin. Secondly, we have a total replacement of the, the initial population has 48 chromosomes, right? What we see is not suddenly two populations of, of you know, of Homo, one with 48, one with 46. But there's an anomalous total replacement. And we know today that you know, there's only humans with 46 chromosomes, right? Now this is, this is unexpected because more often than not, chromosome errors are problems. At best, they're neutral. Very rarely are they actually a benefit. Scientists tell us then to have this kind of total replacement it indicates that there must have been a huge benefit to this change, firstly. Also, that it must have initially happened in a fairly small, isolated population where it could become persistent. Again, which is what you have if you have a control group. If you're working on changing something, you're going to be working initially with a fairly small control group, which is isolated from any other breeding populations. That's what you want. So these are the elements that the science tell us we would want to see a persistence of a change like this. But it's not only chromosome two. We also see around the same time the sudden emergence of a number of really important brain genes. Now, some of these are, some of these are described in very strange ways. There's one which is described as having appeared suddenly out of junk DNA, or what's called non-coding DNA, right? Just appears, they don't know how. Another one is described as being what appears to be a fragment from a longer gene. And they describe it again as looking almost as though it was cut, Xeroxed, and put back in. And remember, these, these are not my words. I'm paraphrasing from articles on the subject. So clearly- Articles, articles where? Articles where? 
Oh, science, you know, science papers, science articles on the subject. Okay. And what you find is that, again, there, there are references in the book, you know, like reference, if people want to go where they can find the references. So what they find is not only that, and then you have, so you have these mysterious genes, you have the anomalous sudden increase in cranial capacity, which suddenly rockets off. And again, if people do Google cranial capacity increase in early humans, you'll see the chart, you know, it really goes, accelerates at a crazy rate. And that's from approximately 800,000 years ago. So you have this cluster of anomalies, again, on that date. And if you follow the science, in the last couple of years, the, the model for when Homo sapiens emerged and for when it split from Neanderthals has been radically changed. It used to be considered that we we diverged away from Neanderthals about 300 to 400,000 years ago and that our common ancestor emerged about 500,000 years ago or so. Now, in the last two years, that's been radically changed by finds in, particularly in Spain at the Cima de los Huesos site. But anyway, what they've come to the conclusion of is that really this divergence has happened closer to 750 to 780,000 years ago. And a, a more recent article that people may have seen is um, based on teeth, hominin teeth. It's suggesting 800,000 or earlier. So you've got two different angles to look at, the teeth evidence, the genetics, with them meeting in the middle on this date period around seven to 800,000 years ago. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to break in here once sure. again. Uh, the book is Hybrid Human, Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien Legacy. I'm uh, joined by Bruce R. Fenton, who's uh, talking about this and presenting some of the evidence. I also suggest you take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, where there'll be a little bit of additional information if you want to take a look at that sort of thing. We will be back right after this, and uh, stick around. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzulli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Christopher Fulton is a survivor of the National Security State. All he wanted to do was preserve history when he acquired a Cartier watch from the estate of President Kennedy's personal secretary. But that simple act set off a terrible chain reaction. He was pursued by the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI, thrust into the middle of the U.S. government's Assassination Records Review Board, even monitored and pursued by the Russian government. All because that Cartier watch was the missing link of evidence, a timepiece worn by JFK that fateful day in Dallas, a link resulting in Christopher being incarcerated and attacked for nine years 
records because he opened a hidden chapter in history. The intriguing journey outlined fully in Christopher Fulton's memoir, The Inheritance, is available now through Trinday.com or Amazon.com. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination by Christopher and Michelle Fulton is a must-read, an incredible tale of how easily our own government can overrule justice. The Inheritance, Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. I'm here with Bruce Fenton. We're talking about the scientific evidence of our 800,000-year-old alien legacy. And uh, I do have a question. It may sound a little rude to you, but I, I, I don't find the, um, the validation to be completely persuasive. Is there additional information that I'm missing? I'm, I'm going to have to put it back to you and just say, why is that? Because I'm not following, if you see what I'm saying, is that this is a transmission that has happened many, many years before this evidence existed. So for someone to have faked the transmission, it doesn't make sense because there was no, they couldn't have supported this at the time. So this can only be validated now, years later. So we have a time-stamped transmission, which has proven to be accurate. But I guess th my problem is we're, we're talking about um, an artifact communication with Valerie Burroughs, uh, she said a couple. She said a couple of things, and she's written, written a book. It's quite a lot of things. Uh, understood, understood, mm -hmm. understood. But it's it's uh, the validation seems to be uh, things that could, I guess, exist in the natural the natural natural world. It doesn't doesn't necessarily require alien visitation for that to happen. That's what I'm getting at here. You know, you talk about the the. Um, uh, bombardment of the planet, for example, but that could be a just a natural occurrence that is coincidental with the time frame that she set up. I, don't I, you I, find it a remarkable coincidence that all three of these events happened at 780,000 years ago? Uh, three hugely anomalous events, all on the same moment in time. I, I find it interesting, but I just don't find it overly persuasive, I guess what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's interesting enough to me that I want to follow up on it and learn mm -hmm. a little bit more about it. Sure. But I also have looked at, uh, in my investigations of UFOs, frankly, and I've, I've gone through the same thing with other cases and other things where you seem to have validation. And as you check out that validation, you learn that it's not quite uh, what it seems to be, and there are in fact coincidences that that lend to this validation. So I, I get that she wrote the book in 2003, and some of this scientific evidence did not come mm -hmm. into the forefront until after her book had uh, been published, which is which is a wonderful validation of the of her book, I guess. But I don't understand. Uh, I, I guess I, I'm a little bit confused um, about how this validates alien visitation. Well, because, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, one point there I'd go back to, I'd loop back to the the exploding object, that they would have to be an argument for how do we end up with a huge crystalline object orbiting this planet? I mean, that in itself, that begs an answer, because I would love to see an academic, I mean, of course, I'm open to someone coming up and saying, well, look, maybe it's this or that. But at the moment, there is no explanation for why there would be a huge crystalline artifact, you know, orbiting our planet, which just explodes for no reason. So, again, there's anomalies within these different areas as well. Of course, and as I highlighted there, within the human origins, we have a number of anomalies there. And again, all on this timestamp. So, I'm, of course, open to people who come up and say, well, look, well, I think it's this or I think it's that. But they need to address those anomalies and say, well, okay, what else would lead to us having a second moon that is made almost entirely of silica and which just explodes and rains down without any known cause, right? So they would still have to tackle those individual anomalies and say, well, okay, you know, we can explain like this. And at the moment, that doesn't exist. Well, you know, I think about, you know, you talk about the genetic mutations, for the lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. And I know in my studies, um, one of the precipitating events for a gene um, mutation would be a radiation burst from the sun. And that, yeah, would but cause, so that, far, would cause, that would cause all kinds of different, I guess, mutations, and only the ones that are beneficial to the race would 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 persist, and the others would basically die out. 
Well, you know, I used to sort of think about that sort of thing. But in all of the studies that have been done using radiation, they've found that there's never been a positive mutation that's come out of it, right? Never. That's in all of the experiments that have been done. So although that in the past, I used to think that, you know, could the solar radiation, radiation cause some kind of mutations? We know there's been major solar events. But in all trials done so far, it's either a neutral or negative results from radiation involved in mutations. So, so that's problematic. So for us to get so many positive changes, clustering is very unlikely to be something like radiation where we know it's nearly always harmful. So the suggestion is the genetic mutation had to be directed by an entity. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a more specific example, right? I know we haven't got much time, so I'll try and focus on a very specific <laughs> okay. one. Right, there's, I appreciate this. You know, there's, there's an area called human accelerated regions. This is really cutting edge. So if people want to Google that, by all means. And there is a particular stretch of code. There's, there's, I'm going to say there's a couple of hundred of these human accelerated regions. There are areas that have gone through radical changes in a very short period, which haven't been explained by science. There's a, there's a big mystery. One of them is 108 DNA letters long. And if you compare it, this the same strip in a chicken and a chimpanzee, which have separated for 300 million years, you'll find there's a three letter difference. So they're called highly conserved regions. They very rarely change. 300 million years, three changes. Right. They compared the same strip between chimpanzees and humans who are supposed to be split by five million years. What they found was an 18 letter difference. The statistical analysis at the moment is that there's a zero percent chance of that happening by any understood even evolutionary mechanisms. Right. So this is a glaring problem in science right now. You've got a couple of hundred of these. Right. And they're nearly all to do with the brain, the advantages that humans have got. And they go totally against all the known mechanisms of evolution. So those, if, if you want, are the most glaring anomalies because nobody knows how we've ended up with a couple of hundred of these and they go against all the pressures that we understand in evolution to conserve these really important segments of code that it seems as though something, you know, we can call it something or somebody, has managed to undo that and allow a very unique set of changes only in human beings, right? So you could say, okay, was it natural? But then you have to, someone has to come out and say, here's a mechanism different to yours, Bruce. You know, here's, an, here's a natural way it could happen. At the moment, there's none, right? So the best model that we have, even if we weren't to say any of this other stuff about transmissions, the best model for those is something intelligent undoing the mechanisms that have kept those stable regions stable for hundreds of millions of years and only in the human race, no other animals, right? So that alone is a glaring anomaly that needs to be tackled. Well, I was going to say, if it was a, a sun-based radiation burst or something like that, you would expect the anomaly to show up in other in, in other animals. Yeah, quite. Yes, yeah, and it and it doesn't show up in show up in them. No, so that, that is that is quite interesting. So even without the other side, there is a glaring anomaly in the human genome. So but even. People you know. But even if we can't explain it today and we have no mechanism that we know of, maybe tomorrow somebody will come up with that mechanism. And th wouldn't that kind of undo your validations? Well, that, that goes for UFOs. That goes for ghosts. That goes for all anomalous subjects, you know, lake monsters. At some point, somebody will come along and say, look, it's definitive. You know, we know for sure what this is or, you know, 99 percent sure. And it may be what the independent researchers have, have suggested it is or maybe it's different. And, you know, you, I, all of us in this field live in those waters, right? Where it could be that we've got it part right, part wrong. Well, and that, I, I brought that up simply because, you know, you had been talking about how this was, um, there, there's no explanation for it. And I, I merely wanted to point out because there's no explanation today doesn't mean there won't be an explanation tomorrow. And I think that's I'm something- I'm always open to debate, debating people who offer me evidence or perspective that is different or stronger than that which I argue. I have no problem with that. Okay. All right. Uh, we have like uh, a minute and a half left to go. Is there something you'd like to add that we haven't uh, touched on? Um, probably in that in that timescale, I probably won't deviate into anything else. Only that, um, of course, people are welcome to reach out to me and ask me questions. You know, if there's bits of it they'd like a bit more on, yes, obviously they can read they can read the book, but they can check out my articles. You know, interviews, get that information for free out there as well. I don't want it just to be. Just well, paying, you know. You you have a lot of information on this ancientnews.net site, don't you, that they can check out as well? There's quite a bit on there, on hybridhumans.net as well. And, you know, to be honest, if they if they look for me on 
online they'll find interviews and articles as well so there's quite a lot out there you know i try and give away as much as i can you know for people so i realize not everyone's got money for books so there's a lot out there and yeah i i would say that people should really be looking at these human accelerated regions if they really would like to dig a bit deeper and the nasa papers you did ask me to refer to i'll just quickly say yes. there's a couple that aerodynamic analysis of tektites and their parent bodies is one nasa paper and another one, the aerodynamic evidence pertaining to the entry of tektites into the Earth's atmosphere. So those are two of the handy papers. There's a lot more out there. Again, if people want to search for Australite tektite buttons, particularly, and the mystery that surrounds those. Um, just thinking of anything. Of course, the DNA subject, you know, it's not hard if people want to Google um, when did Homo sapiens emerge. They'll find the latest papers on that. You know, there's a big debate at the moment. And, uh, and your so, book, your your book has uh, is completely footnoted. Has the references in there? It the does. Yeah, material? yeah, yeah. Okay. So they can they can go and find where I've you know got my evidence from. It's basically I do my best to stick to mainstream sources. Not because the mainstream is always right, but because you know if you don't, people will say it's it's based on you know woo woo science or something. So I, I try my best to stick to those sources that people will find you know I guess not fake news. <laughs> so. <laughs> well. Well, thank you, Bruce Fenton. I appreciate you taking time to chat with us about this. Uh, the book is Hybrid Humans, Scientific Evidence of Our 800,000-Year-Old Alien Legacy. The uh, website is ancientnews.net. I will be back next week with... Um, and my mind has just gone completely blank. I will be back next week with... With oh, Steve Bassett, we'll be talking about disclosure. That's what we're going to be talking about because some of that stuff has been coming up uh, in the news recently, and I thought it would be nice to talk to Steve Bassett about that. Uh, my website is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. The website for here is the Exone Broadcast Network at xavn.net, and I will be back in 167 hours. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 
15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.